So tonight's episode, we're going to talk about the basic nitty gritty of buying or renting because there is a lot of misconceptions that we have to hear. Uh, welcome to my very first episode of House Speak. Uh, I will be talking about various different things, but we need to start off at a good point, and that is getting the house, which is not necessarily easy for a lot of people, and I want to remove some misconceptions from that. Uh, a little disclaimer, I am recording on my phone because my microphone is still in transit, <laughs> so the voice quality may not be amazing, but this one will be relatively short, so we can just kind of get down to it as soon as possible. So um, I don't necessarily edit my audio. Um, I don't like the cuts coming out. I like it to feel natural, so I apologize if it's a little unusual to listen to from the beginning. But one of the big things that we need to debunk is renting versus buying. Now, personally, I am someone who is totally for buying, but in many situations, people can't because of the real estate market in specific areas. I know in many different places, uh, the rent is actually cheaper than what it would be to buy a home because people are very scared of the upfront costs. And some of the few things that can change with that is things such as down payment assistance and other things like that. But the reason a lot of people rent is because of low credit and the fact that they, you know, don't have the time and or money to put into buying a house. And it's a lot of responsibility. Um, you know, it's going to take me a little time to get comfortable talking here. So I apologize if I sound a little restrained. But, you know, renting is a lot easier because you don't have to deal with anything. And I've met lifetime renters in my lifetime and... You know, they're pretty happy with the fact that their home is taken care of and they don't have to worry about that. And if you can go somewhere that is not going to kill you on rent, I totally understand. And it really makes sense depending on, you know, the area you're in. I mean, I live right outside of Philadelphia. I'm actually currently in college in Maryland. Um, you know, this is something I've always had an aptitude and uh, desire to talk about since I was a young kid. Um, I've always enjoyed real estate and used to always go to open houses and things like that with my family. Um, you know, and with renting in my area right outside of Philadelphia, um, it's expensive. And since the current market has taken a really high upturn in the past two years, rents are crazy high. And with the real estate market finally starting to cool off a little bit with some uh, I want to say unorthodox. I don't necessarily know if I would call it unorthodox, but a little hasty ways in the Fed and how they've changed the interest rates. It's become prohibitively expensive to buy a home. Um, so renting where I am is really expensive. And a lot of the places that are for rent are run by large complexes. And these large complexes charge a lot of money. Um, one of the comparable apartments that I had seen back in about 2018 or so, a one bedroom was about 850. Now a one bedroom there's 1200. And that may not sound like a lot to a lot of people, but in terms of your average working class person, that's a lot of money. Um, you know, I'm have a job after graduation. I'm graduating in May. I'm a senior trying to get on with my life and, you know, it's going to be tough. I am going to have student loans. And a lot of people do. A lot of millennials have student loans. And a lot of, you know, Gen Zers like me have student loans. And I think it's important to talk about the fact that it's really expensive to have student loans. And, you know, one of the biggest things I can tell people to not do is don't constantly push that loan back. 
Don't keep deferring it. Don't keep pushing it away because all that's going to do is cost you significant amount more in the future. And if that means you have to stay home for a little bit, it may be that. But if you really need to get out, which I totally understand, and I know people that really just can't live at home because they don't get along with their families or they butt heads or the house is small or your parents are downsizing or something in situations like that, it's not feasible. So one of the biggest things I'll say out to renters is that try to look for a home that is owned by an independent landlord. Um, it's not always the best bet. It depends. If there's an apartment complex that's reasonably priced and they do a really good job of maintaining them, then that's obviously a great option. But, you know, I have landlords in my family who own secondary properties or rented them out until they use them again. And, you know, landlords are already making money off you or their mortgage is getting covered by you. So that's a really big thing for these people. Um, it can be really expensive depending on the situation. Um, but with independent landlords, you can usually meet them in person before you start running the place. And most of the time, they're trying to rent it out because they're trying to make their ends meet. Now, there's a handful of people, and I'm not going to say this is not uncommon, but you know, there are people that own multiple rental properties and just don't care. They want to pad their pockets, and you can usually spot them out. Um, I'm a business major. Um, I've seen a lot of these types of people. Um, you know, I've been around a lot of people who have a lot of money. I've been around people who are trying to have a lot of money, and they're trying to get ahead in this market. And, you know, it's tough for them too, but not as tough as it is for the person who's trying to make ends meet and having to pay rent. So those are just a couple of things. Um, and one of the really big issues with renting is a lot of the times these places, the utilities are not included. And if you look at the situation where utilities are not included, you have to be aware of what the systems are that are being used. If you have a gas furnace, if you have an oil furnace, if you have central air or you don't, you know, um, I'm actually an advocate for window units, even though they're ugly, they're actually a lot more efficient to run than central air if you put them in correctly, because you're cooling room by room. So if there's a room you're not in that much, you can crank that up to 80 degrees and not worry about it. It's only on half the time. When you have central air, you're cooling the whole place to that desired temperature. And yeah, well, smart thermostats help and they, you know, they can make a massive difference. There's a lot of different types of buildings and things like that where your central air may be running a lot harder to keep the whole place at 72 versus having a window unit in the living room, one in the bedroom, dealing with a little bit of a warmer bathroom. And then you have that extra bedroom or that office that so you're not in all the time. You can turn that up at night or during the day or wherever. Whenever you're not in that room, you can turn that up. A lot of them are smart controlled now. There's companies that make smart remotes now, so they make dumb ones, the older ones that don't have Wi-Fi capability, smart. Um, there's a lot of different changes. Now, in terms of buying a home, there's a lot more to be considered than just renting. Because renting, you can usually get out of a really bad rental, or at least you can take it to a legal situation if it gets really bad. Um, I've never had to do that, but I've had to deal with really bad apartment living before. Um, I lived off campus and kind of orchestrated everything and kind of became the interim property manager because the property manager lived 200 miles away and refused to fix anything. And I have grown up renovating homes. I've grown up tearing down walls, fixing big things, redoing kitchens, redoing bathrooms, all these things. And, you know, they're always done on a budget. And I totally understand having to do things like that on a budget. Um, but in terms of having a rough landlord, it does happen. But you usually can get out. And I was able to get out in time because I had had a shorter term lease. Um, 
in terms of buying, buying homes is daunting. It's very daunting. And you see a lot of realtors on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook, well, you should buy a home because it's an appreciating asset. Well, a lot of people don't want to take that risk. So it's a thing you have to weigh too. I'm a proponent for buying a home if you can do it. Um, one of the really cool things is, is that recently since COVID happened, you can actually put down as little as 3% on a conventional mortgage, which may not necessarily be better for every single person. But in terms of a conventional mortgage, you don't have to refinance to remove what is known as private mortgage insurance or PMI. So if you borrow most of the purchase price, you're usually borrowing up to a point where you will have less than 20% equity in the house. So what I mean by equity is, say you pay, I'm going to use a really round number, $100,000 for a house. And the house is worth $110,000. You only have 10% equity. And I'm using this as very round numbers. I'm not factoring in down payments and things like that. You only have $10,000 in equity. Now, if the house was worth a hundred and twenty thousand dollars and you know one penny now this in realistic situation does not happen but i'm using it in the figure of numbers you will most likely not need private mortgage insurance depending on the situation an fha loan is backed by the federal government um and fha rates are determined a lot stricter than with the fed and their constant raises in the interest rates which are now over six percent um and they're harder to buy down. Whereas if you do a conventional loan, you can usually buy it down a little bit easier. Depending on the situation or depending on the area or depending on the loan officer or the company, there's a lot of variables. But sometimes you can get it lower on a conventional mortgage. Now, you can call me out if I'm wrong because sometimes I am. I'm not you know, perfectly versed in this, but I have a really good understanding of it. At least I hope to believe I do. Um, another thing when buying a home is you don't want to maximize your budget. You don't want to max it out. Um, now this is for your average home buyer that has some money in the bank. Now, if you really don't make a ton of money and you really need to get into a home and you'd rather buy, it's okay to push it a little bit, but you have to understand that your budget requirements are going to be a lot stricter and you need to look at a house and get it inspected and make sure it's not going to need anything major. One of the big things I've been seeing come up across the internet and with home buyers is that they're waiving inspections and they're running into bad electrical problems, leaks, and the biggest one is termite damage. And you may think oh, termites are just little bugs. No, they destroy houses. And I'm not talking a little bit. I'm talking they're chewing through main carrying beams that hold that entire first and second floor up. So I would really advise getting an inspection. Um, and if you don't have a lot of money in the bank, there's a lot of programs out there that can help you. And with the downturn in the market right now, people are having more bargaining power buying homes. At that peak in the market, houses had a very, very low average uh, time on the market. They were on the market an average less of a week. Now, in specific areas, like I'm looking to buy a home soon, um, right around graduation, right before I'll be putting an offer and hopefully going under contract. I'm not going to have a lot of money down, if and if any. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a post-grad job already set up and I've already accepted the position, which is amazing. And it's, it's okay pay. It's not terrible. I can afford a modest home. Um, there's a thing such called down payment assistance, and it depends state by state, county by county, region by region. You have to really look at what there is in these areas. So where I was looking and where I would love to 
hopefully buy a home is in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, there's good areas and there's bad areas. You really got to learn the area. One of these big things that people don't realize is, oh, it's cheap. It's a nice house. I'll go and buy it. I'm in, you know, I looked at a house that's like that this past weekend and it's in a pretty good area. The house is really nice, but it was very, very, very poorly flipped. Um, the upstairs, the main floor, they did an okay job and the house is small. It's only going to be me and my partner. So we only need a thousand square feet at the most. I don't want a big home. And you have to think of this too. When you buy a home, you get that down payment assistance. That gives you a down payment. Now you have to think about closing costs. And say you do down payment assistance and you put 3% down. That's all fine and dandy. You get three, three and a half, and some of them go up to 5%. You have to think of closing costs, and that's going to cost a lot of money. Um, the house I looked at was listed at one eighty nine nine. Um, it was a gorgeous little townhome. I really liked it. It needs a couple things, and probably something I'm not willing to concede on um, in terms of the flipper um, and what they did to the home. Um, and that is the central air. The home has ducted heat. Most of the homes in that area have forced hot air heat from original and then you can adapt an air conditioning system into that for a couple thousand dollars it's actually not prohibitively expensive unlike older homes that have radiators you don't have any duct work so this company decided it was a good idea to cut the pipes from the outside air conditioning unit to the inside and remove the outside unit and say the home no longer has central air which i understand was a cost of cost measure that they probably had to weigh but the ability to replace that unit or fix it correctly probably would have been only two to $3,000 versus them cutting it and cutting their losses. They're actually losing more value on that house. Now, having central air doesn't necessarily bring the value up of a home. I've read up into that pretty intensely um, in this market, per se. In the market of 2015 to 2019, people would pay extra to have homes with central air. And now that's starting to pick back up again. People are allowed to be more picky. So, that's, you know, a big thing. The other one I looked at had good functioning central air, had functioning heat, but it was oil heat. Oil heat is super expensive to run. All electric heat, electric element heat is very expensive to run. Now, heat pumps and gas are kind of hovering in that area. If you live in an area where the electric rate isn't crazy high, it's, you know, kind of around that national average, maybe a little below. It's not horribly expensive in Wilmington. Delaware is known to be pretty cheap to live in. It's not too bad in Pennsylvania. But if you're living out in California, Washington, if you're out in that West Coast area, you're going to be paying a lot more for electric. And if you live in a really rural area, it can be a lot more expensive for electric. And you're reliant on that unless you have a gas tank buried in your yard or propane tanks put on the side of the house. So it really depends on what you're willing to sacrifice and what you really want. Um, I'm okay with window units. Um, the only issue with the one house I looked at is you can't put a window unit on the first floor because the one window is in the kitchen and the other two go into a porch in the front, which is completely useless for me. So I couldn't do a whole lot with that. But on top, you know, I digress in that situation. Um, buying a home, you will gain money on it. And people get very scared when markets take downturns like this. And the only good time to buy a home is when you are ready, when you want to, and when you can financially do it. If that's if the market's hot, it's if the market's cool, if that's if the car market's warm, lukewarm, barely, barely cool, ice cold, things like that. You know, in 2008, a lot of investors bought up houses right after that crash. They bought up houses 
And as that market upticked in the next couple of years, as they cleaned them up and fixed them, they could turn them around and sell them for a profit. Yeah, they may have bought at a really high interest rate, but that profit may have paid off that interest rate. Now, I'm not going to run every single number because it's going to be a lot of numbers talk and gets very boring. But, you know, if you buy at a high interest rate and you're making decent money, pay an extra payment each year. That's going to knock your loan down by five, five to eight years, depending on the situation. Pay an extra principal. You know, um, if you pay down the principal, the interest you pay is going to be less. If you pay more in the interest, it's just going to kind of push you forward to the, the further month and knock a little bit off. So, yeah, it kind of depends in terms of, you know, if you could pay extra one month and then pay none the next. A lot of the times you can't do that. If you pay extra, it's going to go to whatever the balance is. So whatever in that situation. But down payment assistance isn't too hard. There's a lot of different types of situations. Um, I'm looking into taking advantage of a program in Delaware called Homes for Grads. So if you have a college diploma or you're about to get one, I imagine, um, you can apply for this and they'll give you 3 to 5%. And a lot of the times though, and what a lot of these real estate loan experts don't talk about is, we got them into a home with down payment assistance. Yes, that down payment, down payment assistance is a second loan on your house. So it's called a soft mortgage. So say they give you $5,000. We'll talk, we're talking low, low prices here because, <laughs> you know, buying homes is expensive, but I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to talk about realistic here. In terms of down payment assistance, what a lot of them do is called a soft loan on a home. So they'll give you the money. And sometimes you pay a couple bucks a month. Sometimes you pay up to $50 a month or however much it ends up being on a lower priced home. So we'll say this $5,000 mark. You won't pay anything as long as you're paying your loan on time. If you pay that loan late, you have to pay it back in some cases. Um, in a lot of other cases, if you have the soft mortgage on the home as a down payment to help you, you have to, I apologize for the noise in the background. I live in a little bit of a noisy area. Um, if you pay this down payment and they use, you use that for your down payment on your home and that uses as your second soft mortgage, you that soft mortgage on your home. If you move out of the home, if you rent it out or if you refinance or you pay it off, you have to pay that loan off. No ifs, ands, or buts, and they can legally go after you for that. And a lot of people don't realize that. Oh, well, what about, you know, the Bank of America zero, zero down? Listen, that offer is amazing because it's going to help minorities get homes that they should have rightfully had before in the past. But one of the other issues with this is that, um, you know, they're going to raise the rates on you. You're going to pay a higher rate with that. It's only marketed towards minorities, which is fine because, you know, we need more of a minority population to be able to have home ownership. Um, I think it's important. They only target certain cities. And Bank of America is known to use pretty rough tactics certain times to uh, make money. So, you know, I keep it on a back burner. You know, if I were eligible for it, I would 100% be looking into it. I think it's a great offer for a lot of people. Um, I think Bank of America is trying to do a right thing here, which is, you know, good. Um, I kind of remain neutral on that subject since I don't apply. But, you know, in terms of homes, home buying, all these things, there's a lot you have to do. You get that down payment assistance. That's a soft mortgage. You use as your down payment. What about closing costs? When you put in that initial offer, 
if you're putting a certain amount down, so say I put 3.5% down, the owner of the home can give you a credit towards the uh, closing costs. So closing costs, uh, lawyers' fees, title fees, inspections, termite inspections, you know, um, you know, my township, you have to get a sewer line inspection. They have to scope it with the camera because most of the homes are, you know, anywhere from 50 to 125 years old. Uh, most of them hover around the 80 to 100 year old mark. And all of them have cast iron lines. People say, oh, cast iron lines are good. They're good. Yes, but they corrode. They break. Things like that have to be done. And that's covered by your down payment. Um, there's certain regulations, you know, now one thing that is not covered in closing costs and some electric companies do and some gas companies do is when you activate new service under your name, you have to pay them a deposit. So the electric service that covers my area where I go to school, all the way, it's the Eastern shore of Maryland, all the way up into Delaware, it's called Delmarva power. Um, they also cover Virginia. They charge a like 360 to $400 deposit when you first start service that's another cost out of pocket and you know there's a lot of other things you have to take into account but i think it's important if you get can get that down payment assistance and you can get the seller to give you three percent towards those closing costs to help you you're not going to have a whole lot out of pocket you could be out of pocket two or three thousand dollars if you're going into a really cheap home or a flat you know um one other thing that gets people denied for mortgages a lot, and one thing is really hard to sell these properties, is condos. Condos are hard to sell. Condos are hard to buy. Condos are a royal pain in the behind. Um, there is a condo complex in Wilmington, Delaware, called Le Parc, L-E-P-A-R-C, and they are having severe foundation issues, and it was built in the 80s, 70s or 80s, I believe. Um, it's a very eclectic, funky design, you know, and... It's uh, their HOA fee is nine hundred dollars a month, and the units are going anywhere from forty to eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand dollars to the largest units. Now, granted, you might be able to get a lot of un a lot of house for the price. Oh man, forty five grand's great for a one bedroom condo, and you know a pretty good, not a horrible area. It's easy to commute. You're right off four ninety five. You can see the river, but you know you can see the highway too. But that, you know that doesn't matter. But the building has a nine hundred dollar fee. That's if you're putting 20% down on a mortgage and you're getting a half decent rate, that's a mortgage on a $140,000, $150,000 house. That's a lot of money. And that's factored into your payment. When you apply for a mortgage, oh, I want to buy this property in my pre-approval or you know, when I'm applying for a mortgage. Well, I want to buy this property. Okay, cool. Fine and dandy. Oh, well, that HOA is $900 a month. Yeah, say your principal and interest is another five, six hundred, depending if you're in that like fifty to seventy-five range. It it could be around there if you have a good setup. And you need down payment assistance and all that. You're paying sixteen hundred a month, all set now, because you'd think you're paying your principal, you're paying your interest, and you're probably gonna be paying PMI on these properties. That is a lot of money, and the foundation in that building's failing. All the balconies you can't go out on anymore; they're unsafe. Um, you know, they're super strict about their parking regulations. There are news articles published about it. it's a mess. There's another one in Wilmington. It's like six seventy five a month. Horrible. You know, hey, some HOAs cover electric, gas, water, all those things. That's great. And it covers the outside for convenience. That's great when you're retired. If you're able-bodied and you can do a lot of different things and you're able to get up, you know, go and clean the windows. If you're able to go up there and, you know, take clean the gutters out, you know, maybe not necessarily the most safe example. But if you can change a light fixture, if you can clean outside, there's no need to be in a condo.
you're paying an extra amount of money per month on top of what your normal budget would have been if you even get approved for it at that point. And I'm very much a person to live below your means. I'm very much a cheap ass. I like to spend money, but I like to spend money as frugally as possible. You know, I always find things on sale. I trash pick. You know, if you don't learn how to make crappy shit, nice shit, you're never going to get ahead. That's how these people make money. That's how these investors make money. Oh, $1,000 is a crappy amount of money. Well, I can put that crap into a crap market, and that crap market's going to turn into a nice fancy market, and then you're going to have fancy money. It's the same concept. Well, there's a... You know, there's an old wood table on the side of the road that's painted. And this is a real-life experience for me. I've, we found an old Ethan Allen table from the 60s sitting on the side of the road. And uh, it's covered in red and white paint. had chicken fabric on the seats. It was horrible. It was so ugly. I said, all right, Dad, let's let's pick it up. It's got all six chairs. It's got an armchair on each end. It's got four other chairs. had all three leaves. It gets like 12 feet long. It's huge. We can fit like 20 people around it. And said, let's finish, refinish it. And he's like, all right. And I'm sanding, sanding. I hate doing it. Strip it down. We burned all the, we ended up burning off most of the paint and stripping it. We stained the top and we painted the legs black. Now, I know it's a little bit of kind of that, that modern farmhouse-ish thing, which a lot of people don't like. Um, I personally don't like it. Um, but we lived in an area where everything is very country. And that was what sold homes. We refinished it. And we have been hosting <laughs> Christmas Eve dinner there for years. Um, it's a great table. You know, things like that. We paid a uh, hundred bucks. If we were to buy something like that new from Ikea that at that size would have been easily three or $400 for a crappy one. And this table's solid wood. We had to do some repairs and things like that. Put screws in the chairs and fix things like that. But you know, same concept goes for a house. Well, why would I pay that crazy HOA fee if it means I'm going to get less of a house? Yeah, things are taken care of, but you're paying for that. You're paying a lot of money for that. You know, go out and learn. Go ask a friend who knows how to do it. You know, if you have a friend who redone houses and knows how, to redo, knows how to redo kitchens, go ask them. If you don't know something, go ask. There's no harm in asking. And life is about asking questions. So when you buy a house, and why I say to avoid a condo, is they're expensive. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. And you're getting approved for less money. I've seen lower condos for like, you know... In that 200-ish range. I know my grandmother lived in a condo before she passed away. And I think her condo fee was like 225 which isn't bad. She paid 88000 for her condo back in uh, 1999. My family sold it for 160 They sold it for almost double what she paid for it. Nothing had been done inside. The only thing that had really been done was the bathroom. My uncles had redone the bathroom for her because the old one was getting rough. And we need to put handle grips in there and, you know, a seat in there and safer setup so she could walk around not trip on anything you know things like that but she was older she was retired she was a little old lady you know if you live in a home and you can do things and you want to learn do it do it be willing to learn because that's the next that's the cost you don't have to put out to pay someone to do it one of the biggest reasons people end up poor and you know end up you know scavenging for money even though they have a good job because they were paying for luxuries that they shouldn't be paying for. You know, my parents, they've worked really hard. They put me through school. You know, they, we always lived in a modest home. You know, we've always done our own work. I, you know, in the past two years, they finally started paying people to do some things. Because my mom's like, I don't have the time in my dad's retirement age. He's like, I want to do more fun things. 
they have the luxury to do that. They have the excess cash to do that. You know, they're not going out and financing super fancy cars and paying for all these people to do work. Yes, they paid $5,000 to have the sidewalk redone. The sidewalk was disgusting. It was destroyed. And for what it would have cost time-wise for my dad to do it himself with me, of course, and rent the materials and get the materials and have a cement truck come out, it wasn't going to be worth it. It wasn't going to take months. They did it in four days. Not even. I think it was two or three days, actually. But it, all said and done was four days because you couldn't walk on it until then. Um, you know, but the garden's on the side of it. We didn't pay landscapers. We dug that out ourselves. We got the edging ourselves. We got the stone. We got the gravel. We got all that stuff. We got the lighting. I installed the landscape lighting. My, and I helped my parents. We put all the stone in. We did all that ourselves. We don't pay people to do things that we can do. If you have the time... If you have the ability or if you want to learn to have that ability, do it. You have to do it. So, you know, there's a lot of things. And that is like kind of the little basic nitty gritty in buying a home. There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of responsibility. But if you do it the right way, even if it means you're scrimping and scrounging so you can afford this home, even with down payment assistance, which I probably will be at some point. (laughs) My partner's still in school, you know, um... I'm going to be graduating. I'm going to be a new grad. I'm going to have student loan payments, all this stuff going on. I'm going to refinance my student loans after I get out of the house or who knows what. It's going to be a lot of work. But if you can find something with, you know, good bones, not necessarily good bones because they say, oh, when, you know, you read a listing that says, oh, you have good, it has good bones. Yeah, that means it's a fucking gut job. Excuse my mouth, but it's a fucking gut job. If, uh, you know, you look at a house, it looks nicely updated. It's got, you know, plain but durable finishes all right i can deal with that it's not bad all the big things like the one i looked at had like a i had a walkout basement so where the kitchen was in the main floor it actually looked like a second floor from the back they rebuilt the deck because there's like a little roof and then there's a second floor deck they put out too and then you walk out underneath of it from the basement you can go out there from the kitchen that's done they put new floors in they put new carpet in they fix the drywall they fix the lighting they fix the electrical they fix the plumbing those big things good now, the air conditioning in that house, that's a whole other situation I explained earlier. Now, the other one we looked at had a little bit more older bones. They didn't touch the bathrooms. They didn't touch the plumbing. The electrical looked a little older. It had the central air, but the bedrooms were bigger. Well, what would I rather have? Would I rather have a smaller house that pretty much everything is done and may need some updating? Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having to do minor updates over the years to keep it up to period and make it feel timeless. Um... You know, timeless is going to be my next episode. But, you know, if you're thinking about it, if you buy a home that has the things you need to function, find something that functions, it's safe, electrical, that is safe, no knob and tube, knob and tube, as much as people say, oh, it's fine. It's it's pretty freaking dangerous. I have to admit, it's pretty dangerous. Um, You know, if you got cast iron pipes, we have some in our house. No big deal. Starts leaking. Oh, shit. Well, we stashed the money away for that. You know, if you can find an older home that's got the big things done, you know, the cast iron pipes have been inspected. They're not cracked. Your electrical is up to code. You know, um, you're structurally, you're okay. Your roof is okay. Your walls are okay. Your bathrooms are functional. Your kitchen's functional. Who cares what it looks like? It matters that it functions. And I'm not mean, meaning functioning in a shit, you know, cobbled together way that some, you know, excuse my mouth, boomer put together or, you know, some hack of a 
flipper, you're probably okay. You know, if it's if it's put together as pretty pretty correctly, you know, little things happen, that's okay. If it's put together correctly and everything's safe, all that, and it's functional and it's gonna be functional for several years, that's a good buy. That's a good buy. If you can afford that house and you can make it work and it's not gonna kill you and it's a comfortable home you can live in, even if it's a little smaller than you want, even if it's missing some features, buy it. You know, the other one I looked at, it's nice. But the cabin, it's in the kitchen, rough. Didn't have a dishwasher, annoying. And the bathroom upstairs was old. It was beat up. You know, they only had one bathroom, too. The other one we looked at was the same price, had two, but it was smaller. Yeah, it's smaller, but it's got the two bathrooms, and they're both not fancy, but, you know, the things are mainly modern within the past 10 years. They're not in horrible shape. They're both big bathrooms. Whereas the other one had one big bathroom, wasn't bad. But the tub need to be reglazed because if you don't reglaze the tub, the things are going to break down on it. The, the cast iron's going to corrode. Around that drain, you're not going to be able to get it out. You know, the tile's starting to crack. I got to tear out all the tile. The other house didn't have any of that. You know, when you think of flippers, well, fast and easy. Well, sometimes fast and easy is okay. Sometimes fast and easy is okay in things, not necessarily the plumbing side, but, you know, if you see an old bathroom with a tile surround in a tub and all that tile's cracked and it's coming apart and it's really getting loose. And that hasn't been maintained for years. That is a several thousand dollar job to get that tile redone. Now, what a lot of flippers do is they tear a tile out and they throw a plastic insert in there. That plastic insert's installed correctly and that valve's not pulling out of the wall and the shower head's not wobbly and they glued it in and they siliconed and sealed it up nicely. That's a good shower. That's going to last you 10 to 15 years. No, no issues. That's not going to be an issue. So I get, you know, the whole new home thing and why people do new homes. But I hate to say it, new homes are built like shit. Don't buy a new home. They're all built like shit. Very few are built well, and if they are built well, they're usually custom, and they're costing half a million or more, depending on the area. I know, at least in my experience, a decent-sized custom home is about half a million dollars. But if you put in the work to research and know what you're doing, and you walk along with that inspector, which I know a lot of inspectors don't like to hear, you know, if you just stay upstairs and hang out and let them do their thing. Or, you know, you have a question. Hey, can I ask you a question about something? Be respectful. Hey, I'm trying to learn about this. Would you mind showing me what this is so I know? Oh, yeah, this is this. Okay. Hey, I noticed that wood looks like it's coming apart. Is that going to be an issue or is it just, you know, is it just decorative? Something like that. Oh, it's no big deal. It's decorative. Oh, it's an issue. That's part of your structure. You need to get that checked out. Things like that. Common sense is very important in buying a home. Whereas renting, you don't really have to worry about that stuff. If it's unsafe. It's against the law. <laughs> if it's a, if it's unsafe, it's out of code, it's against the law. That's pretty much what it is. If your structure is crumbling and you didn't know it when you rented the place and it's coming apart, it is not safe. If it's condemnable, you can get out of that lease. They cannot go after you for that. So there's a lot of different things you can go through when looking at a home. And I apologize. I keep pounding my hand on my desk. Um, there's probably background noise and stuff like that too. I apologize. But you know, when you're looking at a home... Make sure it's got what you need, the necessities. Like me, I want a decent bathroom, I want functioning plumbing, I want safe electrical, I want a non-leaking house, I want a half-decent roof, and I want, you know, a decent area to sleep, and I want some storage. That's about it. And then storage, it's actually pretty easy to come by. If you're savvy about it, it's not that bad. I live in a freaking dorm room right now. <laughs> and I trust me, storage is very sparse in these rooms, and I have a lot of shit. You can fit it. You can make it work. I don't go cramming stuff in corners. I have done that in here. But, you know, my partner lives in a really small home. His family's lived in a really small home their entire lives. Four of them. 
It's a great house. They've been comfortable, never had an issue because they were smart about the storage. They got the right things to fit in the right spots. They pared down when they needed to. You keep up with it. Things like that. Older homes are going to be innately better. Um, that is my opinion. I may sound biased. Older homes are built better. If you can get a home that is built out of stone, brick, or even an old stick-built home, those 2x4s were way bigger back in the day. Back in the, you know, those early 1900s, like the 50s, 60s, before they started to shrink. Those 2x4s are nice and freaking beefy. They're wider and they're longer. Longer, uh, length and width. So I guess, eh, whatever. Wider and deeper. You know, we're looking at that. Those homes are built better. Now, if you can find one of those older homes that has all the big stuff, the heat, the air, if there's air, the heat, the air, the plumbing, the electrical, the kitchen, the bathroom, all the big things are good. Even if they're not fancy, even if they're not super up-to-date, if it's laminate counters and cheap cabinets, and, you know, laminate floors, is it in good shape? Yeah, it is. All right. Is, you know, is it functional? Does anything look like it's going to be coming apart? Does your inspector give you any issues with it? No, not really. That's a good home. Now, sometimes fixer-uppers are good. I, I love fixer-uppers. We live in a fixer-upper. <laughs> I go home a lot from school because I don't live that far. Um, you know, my parents do. We do a lot of stuff together. And my family, my partner lives up there. You know, getting fixer-uppers a great home. But when you're young and you're working your ass out just trying to pay that freaking mortgage, sometimes a fixer-upper isn't great. Now, general maintenance, you should always cut time out for that. Cleaning the gutters, mowing the lawn, checking for leaks, you know, washing out little things, cleaning the floors, making sure the air works, changing the filters, checking the little aerators on the faucets, little shit like that. Anyone can learn how to do that. People say, well, only a man can do it. Only da -da -da -da, you know, and they're pounding their fists. That is 100% wrong. Any man, any woman, he, she, they, whatever pronoun you use can learn how to do these things. One of my <laughs> favorite people on TikTok that I watch is Mercury Stardust. Mercury Stardust is a uh, trans, she calls herself the trans handyman. She is a trans female, worked in maintenance for a long time, and teaches a lot of those common sense things. It's very important. I don't think people think of that. Think of common sense. Change that filter. If you maintain things, they will last inherently longer. If you look at these, you know, some people, older people that have really well maintained their homes, they've learned that from the get-go. They've really well maintained these homes. They've done all these things. Those homes are in so much better shape. Even if they've cast iron pipes and ordered, not knob and tube, but like older, we, what's known as Romax's home wiring. They had, back in the day, it was called fabric-wrapped Romax. A lot of it isn't grounded, so you have to be careful with that, but you know, there's older but safe wiring. You know, things were checked frequently, you know, the asbestos was removed, the pipes were maintained frequently, everything was checked for leaks, the kitchen was taken care of, the dishwasher was taken care of, the sink was cleaned regularly, the tub was reglazed, things like that. Little things. That's important. Those things are important. If someone takes care of a home, that is great. If it all functions, even if it's old, it's okay. If that plumbing is old, but it's in really good shape, and you know you had a plumber come out there and he goes, "Yeah, it's in good shape." You know, even inspector come out, that doesn't look bad to me at all. That's okay, because we can't get everything new every time. We have to, you know, we have to make concessions. I am not one to bow back on electrical, depending because electrical is very expensive and it's very hazardous. Same with gas lines. Um, if I ever buy a home and they're screwing, you know, want to get, get a home and they're screwing fuses, they got to get a new panel. Sorry, but you got to get a new panel. Either give me the couple thousand dollar credit or give me the, or get, put the panel in. I'm not, I'm not budging on that. Gas lines, hundred percent. I walk through a house, 
it had been vacant for several months. And, you know, it was an old rental. And it was kind of an okay house, but it needed a lot of work. A lot of popcorn ceilings and gross stuff. And bathrooms were really dilapidated. The tubs are beat up. Like, the plumbing looks shoddy in the basement. Little things like that. Walk in the kitchen, it smells like gas. And I was like, oh, shit, this house is a walking death trap. I look at the realtor and said, do you smell that? She goes, and this was the listing agent. I scheduled the showing myself because I just want to take a look. I look through it and I'm like, oh, shit. And I look at her and I said, oh, fuck. I said, you smell it? She's like, yeah, I smell it. I said, you need to get the gas shut off now. And the meter's in the basement. I said, one spark, one broken light bulb with the spark, you know, a light, a match, something like that. Boom, that house is dead. That house is gone. You're blowing up that kitchen. You fucked the neighbors because it's a real home. Now it's condemned. Now you own nothing. Now that house is screwed. You need to pull your insurance policy. You know how much that's a shit show. Insurance sucks. Just to start with, insurance sucks. If you pay out of the ass for it, yeah, it's great. You're paying out of the ass for it. It's pretty much what it is. And insurance premiums, generally speaking, people don't really have that many homeowners claims. And when they do, all that money they've put away for all those years... Could have been the same the same amount that what the repair cost. Now things like total losses, things like that. Listen, I'm not saying don't get homeowners insurance. That's a really stupid idea. Um, you know, but things like sewer insurance, um, plumbing insurance, that's a really good thing to have for ten or twelve bucks a month. Yeah, it might cost only two or three grand in three or four years, and you could have you know, or however long it would take, depending on your rate. You know, say it's a couple hundred bucks in a couple years. You know. That may not have been a couple hundred bucks you had an account to spend. Might be better off spending the extra ten bucks a month just to have it. You call them, hey, pipe's leaking, you can fix it. Yeah, I'll call them out. Happened to my neighbor. She bought a home, cash, older woman, saved up for years, bought a beautiful, beautiful mid-century home. It's like the Brady Bunch house, we call it. It's uh, all mahogany on the outside and stacked stone. It's stunning. Beautiful home. She said, I bought that sewer insurance. Come to find out her house has three sewer stacks going out to the street. Because the bathrooms are all split up and added on over the course of time. So half the lines are copper, half of them are cast iron. The cast iron ones start leaking. And they start leaking like a sieve. I mean, there's like shit water leaking in the garage. And she's like, this is disgusting. We'll call them. Calls them up. Within three days, brand new pipes put in. No issue. Repaired. No problem. Things like that. You have to really weigh your options. But, you know, when we're talking about your average working class people trying to get a home, there you go. Now, when you start making more money... You start making that money, you start making that big bucks, 150 grand, 200 grand a year. You're making those big bucks. Oh, I want a bigger house. Do not buy that bigger house. Stay in that house that you have. Stay in that house and pay down that damn mortgage. Don't put an addition on. Don't do crazy renovations. Be comfortable with what you have. Don't go out and buy that car. And that's one of the biggest things that people do in this day and age. And these car dealerships on TikTok, Instagram are romanticizing High car payments over a thousand dollars a month. Do you know how much a thousand dollars a month will buy you in a mortgage? That's like one hundred and twenty grand worth of mortgage with the low down payment. With the high down payment, who knows? Who knows what that could end up being? This is crazy. If you're paying twelve hundred a month on a car and you're making hundred-ish grand a year, you, you know, without that payment, you could qualify for over about four hundred something thousand dollar house. That's real high end. We're pushing debt to income ratio all the way to the top. Buy that car, you're down to 250, 235, 200, 185 in purchase price. Oh, well, I got that fancy Land Rover. Yeah, you got a fancy Land Rover, but you live in a fucking shack. 
You know why you live in that fucking shack? Because you're putting that money away into a car. A car is a depreciating liability. That's what it is. It's not a depreciating asset. It's a fucking liability. You should not have crazy car payments. I drive a fucking Kia Soul. And I don't mean like a nice Kia Soul. I drive a six-speed manual base model Kia Soul. And I've wanted a new car for so bad. I want one so bad. Oh, I can make 200 a month work. I make 300 a month work. Thinking about it, I said, you know, I'd rather have a house. I can build equity into that. You know that $20,000 car I wanted? I don't, I can build that equity into a house in three months. I'm not going to make 20 grand and yeah, I may make 20 grand in three months if I'm working my ass off, but all that goes to my bills. I can make 20 grand in three months just by doing stupid little shit around the house to give it upgrades, you know, fixing up that bathroom, adding a powder room, redoing the kitchen, high return things. If you have a, you know, this house I looked at, this is a three bedroom. It's actually a two bedroom. It considered the walkout basement another bedroom, but it doesn't have a closet. Put in that closet. Instant third bedroom. Instant equity. Instant asking price increase. Put in that central air. That's gonna give me a little bit of extra. Not much, but I can do it for really cheap because I have <laughs> I have an HVAC buddy who's a local guy who does a lot of really nice work. I've seen his work, he does a nice job. You know, putting in that office, sneaking in a study, it has this little heater room, there's this little tiny doorway. In the front porch is enclosed, is built enclosed. Go in that front porch, underneath, through that heater room, and there's just a room with windows to outside, short little basement windows, but there's two of them in a teeny tiny, like four by eight room. I'm like, oh shit, I could make this a little study. I could finish off that room. I could finish off that heater room, closet everything in real nicely, put in a nice washer dryer setup, put a door in the back there. Now you got a hidden study. You got a hidden storage room, a study, a junk room, a whatever. You have the extra room. And there's egress in that basement. It's square footage. I'm adding square footage to the house too. If I finish off that heater room and that other room as a study, that's an extra 200 square feet. House is only 975 square feet the way it is. So now I'm over 1,000. And then I somehow squeeze in a powder room downstairs. Got that second story porch. I got that other roof hanging over. I could talk to a buddy and build it out. Make sure it's got the correct support. I could put a powder room in there. Bathroom's right below it. There's so many different things you can do. So that's my take. I'm buying or renting. I hope you have a nice day.